if you or a loved one gets hurt, you'll want a faster road to recovery. At Leia Healthcare's Urgent Care Clinics, you'll be seen by a consultant-led team in 60 minutes or less for injuries including breaks, burns and bubumps. Switch now at leiahealthcare.ie. Always a beat ahead for you and your family with urgent care in 60 minutes or less. Insurance provided by Ellipse Insurance Limited trading as Leia Healthcare. Leia Healthcare Limited trading as Leia Healthcare and Leia Life is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Urgent care clinics available to all aged 12 months and over. Wellbeing benefits available to Leia Healthcare members. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, called butt of a gun and put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, OK, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. If you were a billionaire, would you give most of it away? Well, that's what Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates says he's doing right now. He's the world's fourth richest man worth 115 billion euro. But he says he has an obligation to return his resources to society. He says he wants to drop out of the world's rich lists. And he's not alone. Mark Zuckerberg, Tim Cook, others in the tech elite, they also say they'll give away almost all of their wealth. Does this make them decent stewards of capitalism? Or is it sort of another type of ego trip? Well, joining me to discuss this is the Irish Independence Deputy Business Editor, John Isle. John, I'm looking at the list of people who say they're going to give away all of their money. Mark Zuckerberg says he'll give 99% of his Facebook wealth to charity. Mackenzie Scott, who's formerly married to Jeff Bezos, giving away close to $30 billion. Tim Cook, the last time I interviewed him, said he'd give most of his wealth away. Is it just me or is it mainly tech people who are pledging to give away their money? Well, I guess what's interesting about that question is... Those tech guys, one, have the biggest fortunes. It's important to point that out. And they're kind of recent fortunes, right? So they're not mm. these legacy fortunes that have been built up over, you know, many, many decades. I mean, Bill Gates is probably the oldest one there. Microsoft became a really massive company, you know, in the 80s and then sort of achieved a dominant status in the in the late 90s and early 2000s. Zuckerberg is a is a Johnny come lately, you know. Elon Musk is is even newer in in the billionaire stakes. So so these guys have accumulated a huge amount of wealth very very quickly. Are you saying that they're they're not as attached to it? It's possible that they're not as attached to it, but but it's also what I happen to believe is that the the sort of their culture of wealth is a little bit different from say the kind of robber barons of old, you know, the steel and oil magnates from uh, over a century ago who, 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 made, who made their money in a sort of different social context, right? So if you look at what Silicon Valley really values or what it purports to value anyway, is a kind of human freedom, a human liberation. Now, you can, you can debate that, whether they actually see that accurately, but I think that that would be a fair representation of how they, how they see themselves. And kind of going along with that, it does make sense then to take your 
your financial resources and try to improve the world as as you would see it uh, and make it better in the ways that you think it it should be better. And that's really what a lot of these guys claim to have been doing with their products. You know, we're kind of we're liberating people like Microsoft Excel, for instance, is actually a kind of a liberationist tool. Like it's really <laughs> saved people a lot of time, saved people a lot of aggravation, made people's lives better by simplifying spreadsheets, right? Okay, I'm maybe overstating a little bit, but um, I guess what, what, what I would say about these guys is they're sort of utopians. They're sort of, well, they're definitely optimists about mm. um, their ability to change the world for the better. Now, with technology, it's a very utilitarian way of looking at things. What Bill Gates is trying to do is something, I think, a lot more substantive, um, you know, than than DOS or Microsoft Word or whatever. Um, I'm sure our conversation will get on to whether that's the best way of going about it. But I think these guys are probably pretty sincere. Um, now, we can kind of critique whether they have a firm grasp on reality and whether their self-image is accurate or not. But I, I don't think they're, I don't think they're trying to necessarily dominate the world with their money as such. Mm. It's interesting because to me, it has always appeared that they're a lot less flashy in general than conventional plutocrats. I can only think really of two of today's tech elite who really flaunt their wealth. Larry Allison of Oracle and Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen, both have giant yachts and Paul Allen owns sports teams. They could be said to flaunt it in the way that billionaires often do. I can't think of any of the others who really do. You could say Mark Zuckerberg sometimes shows off his surfing skills and owns in half a Hawaiian island. But in general, the ethos seems not to flaunt your cash so much and seems more, as you're suggesting, uh, to try and solve problems for mass scale. And, and they sort of seem to add up to not going to your grave with $50 billion. Yeah, and I do think that these guys um, really do believe in this kind of solutionism uh, ideology, which is that every problem does have a solution. And if you throw enough resources at it, whether those that you know those resources is uh, computing power or financial power you'll get a result okay um you know which which has problems of its own but but you know in in itself i i, I think what they're trying to do um is actually really address problems that problems that they've they've identified mm. there now the, the uh, ironically i think the megalomania is really expressed through their companies you know something like like Facebook, you know, has just grown to be such a socially influential technological phenomenon. And I'm not sure that that company has ever taken full responsibility for the power it wields in the world. But Mark Zuckerberg personally, I mean, I know he's involved in political lobbying now, like any other uh, corporate CEO is, but doesn't strike me as a person who set out with Facebook to change the world in the, in the way that it has, it just kind of snowballed that way. Um, and the and the logic of owning a company is that you kind of grow it and make it more successful as you go. Um, mm. That probably comes out of a certain naivete that we should be aware of as these guys begin to use their money and deploy it for social causes. Mm. I'm just looking at the list of the top 15 in the US last year for philanthropy, and I think nine of them are uh, tech 
Barron's. Number one, Gates. Number two, Bloomberg. You could argue he's into tech as well as mm -hmm. media. Um, number four, Zuckerberg. Number five, Sergey Brin of Google. Number six, Jack Dorsey. Number nine, Jeff Bezos. Number 11, Eric Schmidt, former Google uh, chairman. Number 12, Steve Ballmer. Number 13, eBay's Pierre Omnidar. I mean, it's kind of extraordinary um, mm. how much money these guys are giving away. I mean, it's worth recounting that the Gates Foundation I think it was estimated at one point to be the world's second largest charitable foundation, about $50 billion um, in assets, a huge donor to the World Health, World Health Organization, uh, for example. And right now he's in the process of giving away $20 billion, which is about 20 billion euro of his own wealth to that philanthropic fund. It's kind of difficult to conceive of such a big sum, isn't it? It is huge. It is a huge amount of money, but it's it's only difficult to conceive of when you're talking about individuals, right? It's not hard to imagine, say, a national government spending 20 billion euro on the kind of causes that Bill Gates is funding. And I suppose that's the crux of the debate here, which is mm. these guys are permitted, I suppose, by, you know, Western economic and tax systems to accumulate this kind of outsized uh, wealth such that they can give virtually all of their money away, um, uh, you know, to causes that they, they deem worthy of funding. Whereas, you know, governments have access to huge amounts of money through taxation and would have more if they taxed billionaires at a higher rate, and then would have these funds to deploy in a more, in a way that's more representative of the wishes of the people, or maybe could apply it to where the greatest needs are, right? So the question becomes, does Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg know better um, where this money is, is most needed or what's the most effective use of it? Now, obviously, it's their money. They can do what they want with it. Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's debating that. But there's a, maybe a more systemic question that's worth asking, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, certainly the, uh, the sage of uh, uh, Omaha, um, Warren mm. Buffett, <laughs> trusts Bill Gates because he has pledged to give away most of his wealth to Bill Gates's and Melinda Gates's philanthropy fund without much control. So he, he does believe Bill Gates is a, a reasonable steward. But there is that wider question whether or not this kind of lets governments and society off the hook. You referred there to how we as citizens might like such funds uh, to be spent. But obviously, in some sense, this is a conservative's dream because it's long been conservative theory that philanthropy is the preferred capitalist safety valve to take care of the needy, right? But the other, the flip side to that argument is that it lets, you know, the, the state and the government off the hook, because if you have Bill Gates giving away $100 billion, then that means that, you know, we don't have to take responsibility for those organizations or those causes that he and his foundation um, are funding. Um, so I, I, where, where should, what, how should we think about that? Could these tech billionaires actually be doing us a civic disservice in making us think that we are not ultimately responsible for some of the climate change or malaria uh, or other causes that they're funding? I think that's a really good point, Adrian, you know, that by kind of outsourcing what you might say is a, is a public function, you know, the function of public services. Um, we, we actually stop being responsible as citizens. Um, and we're also counting on the benevolence of people 
like Bill Gates. Now, in in his case, I, I actually think his heart is in the right place. And I think the causes he chooses are are ones that are 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 worth giving money to, right? That's just my opinion. But like it won't always be like that. At least with a government, the government theoretically, if it's democratic, can be influenced by the will of the people. But also there's a, there's another problem here, which is that the recipients of of the the charitable funds or the charitable services become a little bit voiceless, right? When you're when you're a citizen who is a recipient of government aid or you know welfare services, et cetera, you still have a voice in in how you receive that or or you know how how the state's money should be used because you have the same power as any other citizen. But when you're forced in a way maybe to deal with a charitable foundation that has objectives of its own, they don't really have to listen to you. Like there's not a, the same kind of accountability mechanisms built in to private charitable giving as there are built into welfare services. I understand the conservative arguments and I, I think we have good reason to be grateful to the charities that have decided to use um, private resources to do public good. I'm, I'm not saying that they're doing bad in the world, um, but it's a question of, I guess, how we want to organize uh, taking care of the most vulnerable people in the world. And do we just want to leave it to the largesse of people who feel generous? Because that might not always be the case. It's not as reliable, in my opinion. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I suppose you could argue that for many of the things that, you know, Mackenzie um, uh, Scott, that Mackenzie Scott. So thank you. Yes, <laughs> or yes. Bill Gates, or Mark Zuckerberg, or Sergey Brin, or any of these people uh, are funding. There often isn't sufficient popular will to deal with those things. Like Mackenzie Scott, for example, she gave a single donation of I think it was four hundred thirty million dollars to Habitat for Humanity. She's mm. funded um, things in the states that are not necessarily you know at the top of the charitable uh list uh, literacy uh, drives and and equitable living uh, initiatives uh, gender based stuff as well stuff that sometimes finds it hard to get you know funding from state sources particularly the way the US is uh, going at the moment so it it's uh, Maybe they are stepping in here to provide a service where realistically, if it's put up to us, the plain people of Ireland or America or Europe, mm -hmm. for all our, our fancy words, we won't actually fund them. Yes, that's probably true. When it comes down to it, you'd prefer your 1% tax cut, you know, <laughs> when, when, when the budget comes out instead, mm. you know, funding this kind of obscure thing that maybe affects a small number of people. I think that's true. And that's probably where charity is most effective, right? Where you have an individual who has looked at a particular cause that isn't, let's say, a photogenic one or, or one that's easy maybe to explain to people. And you've taken a particular interest and you can actually make a major difference there. I think that's where this also gets hard to criticize people for doing this. You know, Bill Gates has said, well, I see this, there's a good use of this 20 billion that I don't have a use for. So, you know, why don't I help as many people as I can with this money? Um, I think for sure, given the kind of political dysfunction in the US, especially right now, you probably wouldn't want to count on the government to be a consistent provider of the things you need because kind of the two parties can't really get their act together um, and move the country forward. So wealthy people are filling a vacuum. 
But I can't help but notice that a lot of the problems that they're solving, let's say if they're domestic ones and, and probably international ones too, if you trace back origin far enough, you'll probably find wealth inequality is at the root of it. Some. So mm. it's, it's a little bit upside down to me that um, these people who are the biggest symbols of wealth inequality in the world then become the sort of solution to the problem you know that their wealth is causing in a way you know that the that the sort of distorted distribution of wealth in the world um which has benefited them enormously uh, then allows them to kind of privately fund the solutions to the problems that it caused in the first place there's something mm, yeah. a little bit wrong <laughs> a little bit wrong and backwards about that i think there is also the side issue of the odd distrust among certain communities that it creates as well. I, I'm thinking, for example, you know, there's no end of conspiracy theories around Bill Gates' motivations as to, you know, what he donates his money to. I wouldn't give credence to many of these uh, sort of fringe uh, theories, but they do exist. And I suppose that goes hand in hand with the point you were making earlier on, that wh where it is not democratically or centrally funded, um, it then leaves itself open to interpretation as to what the motivation of the philanthropist really is. I, I agree with you. I think Bill Gates's heart is in the right place. I think he's doing it in good faith for completely wholesome reasons. But there do appear to be a significant number of people who, who doubt that. And it's unfortunate that that can't be democratically uh, or tested. And I suppose that's just one of the, the weaknesses in this system. It is, but it is interesting if we can just pull back for a second to to look at how the kind of the corporate world is getting more involved generally in things like environmental, social, and cultural causes, right? And a lot of people look at this cynically, and maybe it deserves to be looked at cynically. You know, you see now companies are trying to meet environmental targets, right? And there's a lot of a lot of pressure on them to do so. There's legal pressure, there's tax pressure, there's regulatory pressure, etc. And, you know, entire investment funds have been created to invest in these causes, so-called ESG funds, environmental social governance funds. But those, those funds now are being uh, criticized quite heavily, both from within the investment community um, and in the corporate world. Um, you, you know, it's largely been led by guys like Larry Fink at BlackRock, who, you know, whose company controls something like $9 trillion in assets, very influential institutional investor, has been trying to get the companies he invests in to get on board with his view of racial diversity, gender equality, and um, fighting climate change. Um, all of these are good causes, right? Um, but I've written about this a little bit. And, you know, Larry Fink is out there saying, this is how I think the world should work. And then, you know, some of those ideas don't travel across borders very well. You know, what does racial diversity mean in the USA versus what it means in Ireland? You know, that's one question. And then you have, you know, people who've worked in that world uh, come out and they say, well, it's all a little bit of a sham because at the end of the day, our legal requirement is to make money for our clients. All of those other concerns are really secondary. So if someone is telling you that their primary focus in their investment portfolio is environmental, social governance issues. They're, they're actually lying to you, right? So there's the, also that question of like, am I being told the truth about how this money is being used? And, you know, is this just a marketing gloss on a part of capitalism um, that, that maybe these guys don't want me to look at? Uh, and that's, I think, always a suspicion about 
um, wealthy individuals giving charity or, you know, corporates getting involved in causes outside of selling their products, you know? I mean, I can see how that would be an issue with if Bill Gates was still the CEO of Microsoft and, you know, was announcing, you know, a $1 million donation to something, you know, which was pennies on what the company actually makes and what he himself makes. But in this case, just to stick with Bill Gates, you know, he is not the CEO of any company and he's making donations of $20 billion from his total wealth of about $120 billion. And he says he's going to give it all away. So for me, notwithstanding the you know, the doubters over his motivation for what he's doing and why he's doing it and his worldview and what kind of a world he wants to see and all of that sort of stuff, I in this case, I wouldn't mix up you know, a, cynic, a corporate cynicism with it. Mm, yeah, I think that's fair enough. I just think we're in this sort of um, this strange moment where companies feel like they're being asked to step up mm. uh, in terms of their obligation to a wider range of stakeholders rather than just their financial shareholders. Uh, and now that has created a, a, a climate in which the very rich people and the you know the universe around rich people is becoming a lot more involved in in these in these uh, social areas, um, yeah. which is maybe filling a vacuum as we discussed earlier that government has has just vacated and said well, we kind of we don't care about this stuff anymore or we're, yeah. we're focused on other things. Um, just going back to maybe an older model where governments were were weaker uh, than they you know, were in, say, the second half of the 20th century. Mm. And businesses did have to step in a lot. So you know, businesses were much more directly involved in the health of the communities where they operated. Um, and and, and that, could be a, that could be a positive development. I'm not saying it would be. Uh, you know, where, where businesses saw themselves in a more ecological way. Um, rather than an individualistic way that, you know, the health of the society around us is, is as important as the health of the business because they are symbiotic in a way. That would be a well, very and, positive and, yeah, and, yeah, and then you're going back to the Ivy Trust and Guinness and building houses and making sure That's that the a great society example. is okay yeah. and all of that sort of stuff. I mean, look, there is a separate question here that arises from this, which we don't have time to go into today, but I have all often wondered how rich society will allow an individual to become. You could argue that because these individuals have become so rich so quickly, that actually society, uh, there's an innate recognition in somebody like Bill Gates or Zuckerberg or the others that I don't think society would let them get to the position of being a trillionaire anyway. <laughs> I, I don't think psychologically we're ready in the world, other than Putin, who's probably a trillionaire, we're not psychologically ready to allow yeah. somebody to have that much money. So it might be underneath it all a recognition that, look, you know, 100 billion, 20 billion, 10 billion, it's enough. And if, if, mm -hmm. if I'm worth, if, if on paper I'm worth 150 billion, that's actually too much. And, and there's something that's just wrong about that. I mean, the, the amounts are kind of unfathomable anyway for an ordinary person. I remember when Mackenzie Scott started um, getting rid of her, 
<laughs> her fortune. Um, it was when the stock market was still going up. And I remember doing a calculation one day that like her portfolio, which is mostly Amazon stock, as I understand it, had grown in value more than the billions she had already given away in the, in the same time period. Mm-hmm. So like the quantity of wealth that she had was so like self-replicating um, that she couldn't even give it away fast enough. Now that, that has changed now with markets have gone down quite a lot this year and especially tech share. Wonderful to see a change, not only in the wealth profile of um, these guys, at the, you know, tech founders, and now that the interest rate environment has changed, the stock market has sold off a lot in tech shares, whether that changes the calculus for these guys, whether they become less visible targets for social opprobrium as well, because they just won't be as rich, right? They, the, the low interest rate environment allowed these businesses that could scale very quickly to generate billions and billions in excess value, which was captured by the founders, obviously, right? Like the Stripe guys are a great example of that. I don't think they ever expected to be this big so fast. Mm. And here they are. Um, You know, that may change a little bit in a more normal interest rate environment or where inflation is higher and maybe economy just doesn't grow as fast these guys don't get rich as quickly. So we don't get that sort of wealth whiplash that we've had the last 10 years or so, especially in the in the tech world. And you'll still have billionaires and you still have large scale private charitable giving, but, but maybe it won't be on the scale that we see with Bill Gates where you can actually kind of, you know, <laughs> change the world with your own personal money. Hmm. Well, look, John Isle, Deputy Business Editor of the Irish Independent, thank you very much for uh, joining us uh, today. Um, From me, Adrian Wecker, the Tech Editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent, uh, I'll be here with you at the same time uh, next week. And thanks also to our producer, Tabitha Monaghan, and our sound engineer, Gavin Hennessy. For me, I'll talk to you at the same time next week. Bye-bye. 